1: It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Now this is going to introduce uh, a section of which there are some verses that kind of uh, give us an insight as to what's going on. And so from chapter 9 verse 1 to chapter 11 verse 6 it kind of wraps around the thought of the word knoweth and knowest and we're gonna look at that and you're gonna find it is in the negative knowest not knoweth not chapter 9 verse 1 for all this I considered in my heart even to declare all this that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God no man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. Chapter 9, verse 12, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. Chapter 10, verse 15, The labor of the foolish wearyeth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go up to the city. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse two. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth." Ecclesiastes 11:5 and 6. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, or how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God which maketh all. In the morning, sow thy seed, in the evening with hold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Solomon has made things pretty clear and pretty crystal that uh there's just a lot of things with all the wisdom that he has that uh we know not. And so we're gonna go back to chapter number nine and uh, deal with this, no one knows. And here's the thing. When we look at this, we see that he is thinking under the sun. He's looking at his life at the end of it as he's lived so much of it under the sun. And he's spewing off things that many people, even Christians may say, you know, I identify with that. Well, then you're living under the sun and not Uh, Above in the realm of Christians where you should be, and the Lord Jesus Christ being Lord of all and King of kings and ruling in your heart and staying in the word and devotions and having those things that are necessary. Chapter 8, he was giving the same kind of thing, and he actually, in chapter 9, verse 1, connects chapter 8 to chapter 9 when he says, for all this I considered in my heart. No one knows what's going to happen to him. We don't. We don't have a clue. Do we let that tear us up, tear our nerves up? Do we spend all our time thinking about it? He said, for all this I considered. The idea of considered is the idea of to uh, give place to. I, I looked at it. I, I reflected on it. I took it to heart. And it was in my heart even to declare all this. So I see in verse 1 a declaration. And that declaration is, no one knows what awaits him. You get up in the morning, listen, you got up, and, and this is a brand new day. In fact, as I record this teaching timeless truth, it is right now nine or 10.34 in the morning. And uh, it is weeks before this will air, probably about uh, four, five, six weeks. I have to look at my calendar. And so we're, we're, I have a day that I set up to get things done. I got up early in the morning. I did the news like I always do for WGCR. I worked on some good old gospel songs. I recorded five teaching timeless truth moments. But I did not know from moment to moment what might happen that would stop me from doing the work that I needed to get done. The phone ringing, the Uh, some kind of an emergency. And at 10.34 in the morning, I don't know what befalls me, at 10.35 in the morning, I could fall before this broadcast would be finished recording. Something could happen, and I would be in eternity. Or I could be in the hospital. By the end of the day, there's no way to know what's going to happen. I cannot predict what this day is going to bring forth. Therefore, the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what... They may bring forth. And he said in James, Go to now, you that say, Today or tomorrow we'll go in such, such city and such sitting, buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even the vapor that appears for a little while and then vanisheth away. He said, I considered all this in my heart, even to declare my declaration all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Now, he's right. Everything that you work and all the wisdom you have and the righteousness, and all, everything that you think you have or think you are, what it's in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. He says, listen, I'm reflecting and I'm trying to clear this all up in my mind, but I've got it so messed up between the worldly wisdom and God's wisdom. And he said, the righteous and the wise, their works, they're in the hand of God, whether a person will be loved or hated. No one knows what lies ahead. Just uh, listen, You can, whoever you are, wherever you're at, you can even say, I hate God, and God doesn't know anything about it. But you're still, your your day of death is in God's hands. You have uh, a lot that you don't realize because you don't know God, but you have the same fate. You do not know what lies ahead. And that leads him into verses two to six where he deals with death. And he says, all things come alike Uh, to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices and to him that sacrifices not. As is the good, so is the sinner, as he that sweareth, as he that feareth an oath. When I look at this verse 2, he sees that, that there's just this impracticalness that makes no sense to him whatsoever and he he looks at it from a viewpoint of just futility solomon says literally we don't know all things come alike no matter who you are the righteous the wicked the good the unclean Uh, him that sacrifices him that doesn't sacrifice it just doesn't matter who you are or where you are or what you are this is the way it is things just don't seem to work together and he goes on in verse three says this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun that there is one event unto all yea also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live and after that they go to the dead there he is they die it don't matter who they are, what they are, they, they die when it comes to it. and They're just over. He says there's an injustice of death. This is an evil among all. There's an injustice that's alike to all people. Whether you're evil, unjust, unfair, whatever it is, you are going to die. If you're righteous, you're going to die. It's just a plan that, that you're, it, be prepared that it's going to happen. But he says, boy, living's a whole lot better. Look at verse 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. Well, that's true. If you're alive today, you have hope of salvation. If you're alive today, you have a a day in which you could meet the Lord. The Holy Spirit can convict you, and you respond correctly and not turn him away. And if you've done that in the past, boy, I hope that he hasn't left you alone. I, I think of those three deadlines, J. Harold Smith. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Well, how about that for a viewpoint? To be alive is better than being dead. A dead lion, you know, the dog, compared to the lion, the lion's greater. He said, I'd rather be alive as a dog than dead as a lion. You know, that. so what if you were a lion if you're dead? What does it matter if you were somebody great if you're dead? And so he, he definitely is dealing with this thing about the dead. In fact, he says in verse number five, for the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything neither have they any more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Now, the dead do know things. Solomon is, remember, reasoning under the sun. The dead do know some things. They don't know the things that maybe he's thinking they know, but they know they're in torments. They know that they don't want anybody to go there. I'm getting all this out of Luke's gospel, chapter number 16. They know that a drop of water would be merciful in a horrible place where that drop of water wouldn't last a semi-second. But he said, the one thing he did say is, right. There, over time, the memory of those that die become forgotten except with the loved ones. And as the loved ones pass off the scene down the road, uh, my children's 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 children, if that was to be the case, would never really know. They may look it up in a family tree, but they won't know anything about me. Maybe some things will survive, broadcasts and things. Maybe they won't, don't know. But this I do know uh, is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred, their envy is now apparent. Whatever they were, it's gone. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. They don't know anything that happened without God. They know that they miss God if they're lost. They know that they have God if they're saved. And thank God for that. Go thy way, eat thy bread. With joy and drink thy wine with a merry heart for God now accepteth thy works he's now changed gears from uh, death to the living to delight he's saying so as I reason this out as I think this through under the Sun as I'm trying to think this through with remembering some of my godly wisdom but really operating under the sun, the best I can come up with is, go that way, eat your bread with joy, drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. And I believe what Solomon is saying here is, if God lets you enjoy life, go enjoy it, because you don't know when it's going to change. Let thy garments be always white, let thy head lack no ointment, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy vanity, which thou hast given thee under the sun all the days of the vanity, for that is the portion of this life, and in thy labor, which thou takest under the sun. He said, look, you might as well just go and enjoy life, enjoy your wife. The Bible says that very, very clearly. In fact, in, in uh, chapter uh, 9 there, verse 9, where we just read it, to live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest. Well, did you know that he talked about that also in the the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, he had things to say, and he said, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And so as God gives you the ability, live life, enjoy life. And and I might say this, we can live not under the sun, we can live above the sun. So let me just say how you can enjoy life as a Christian. And uh, that is to live in the steadfastness of Christ, to live in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and in the very words of his Bible. Stay in it. Get in it every day and every night and have your prayer times and stay with him. And then as you walk through your day, go thy way. Listen, don't go around with a sad face. Don't let people think that you Christians are sad sacks and down all the time don't sit around and do like solomon and think about what's going to happen today what if what if what if that'll drive you crazy don't be idle an idle mind and idle time is the devil's tool shop i mean when you've got kids get together and they have idle time and their minds aren't engaged in something productive, they will come up with some weird things to do that'll get them into a lot of trouble go And enjoy the day the Lord has given you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In fact, he said in verse 10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Now think about that this is something that I think we forget about a lot and that this is a New Testament principle that is in there and that New Testament principle is the same thing do it heartily unto the Lord whatsoever you do do it heartily unto the Lord don't sit around and just half-heartedly do things don't sit around and just stitch up a thing or two get out there and rejoice in the Lord, always rejoice evermore. Rejoice in the good things of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And remind yourself that whatever we find our hand to do, do it with all of our might. That is God's will. Again, Colossians makes it clear: whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. And not unto men the idea of heartily is abundantly out of a good heart and over in first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of God Solomon is reflecting he's under the Sun and then all of a sudden he turns to destiny and he looks at destiny says I returned and saw under the Sun here we go again he's thinking without God under the sun, as I look at life from that viewpoint, the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bred to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favored to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Some people are rich not because they worked hard and got things out of it. That's not why they're rich. No, they are where they are because they were born into it or Uh, inherited or something happened that was a, a chance situation or circumstance. Abilities are not a guarantee of success. He's saying just because you have all these abilities, you're swift, you're strong, doesn't mean that you're going to win the race. You remember the old sort of the tortoise and the hare and how that goes. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. Things can happen. The most powerful army does not always prevail in battle. How about Israel, for example? Does that not uh, clearly seen as we look at Israel? Of course, that is not the case. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, as the birds are caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Again, in these two verses, he's looking at people's destiny. Abilities are not guarantee of success, and there are reasons why, don't happen because time limitations and chance can affect success. You may have a time of unpredictable bad health. You can have a time of death can occur in something. You can have a catastrophic event that affects everything out of nowhere all of a sudden. He said, listen, destiny is a situation. Then he comes and he gets to verses 13 through the end of the chapter Uh, And he talks about uh, the deliverance that he needs. This wisdom I have seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. Well he says you know it seemed it was great that this wisdom but then he said there was a little city and a few men within it and there came a great king against it besieged it and built great bulwarks against it now there was found in it a poor wise man and he by his wisdom delivered the city yet no man remembered that same poor man then said i wisdom is better than strength nevertheless the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard the words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of the ruling ruleth among fools wisdom is better than weapons of war but one sinner destroyeth much good he said this wisdom have i seen i watched it solomon is speaking of something that he viewed as being great which proved helpful but it was despised he said it seemed like it shouldn't have been this way and the case was this there was a little city and and a king came against it and besieged it and you know had built great bulwarks against it but there was also found this poor man who was wise and he with his wisdom was able to deliver that city from all of that power and he said yet no man remember the same poor man he said it was it was not a significant uh but it was uh, a city that was small you know a little city so it's not a big significant thing but a great king came against it anyhow so the the odds against the city, a little bitty tiny city and a great big king, the odds against it are pretty uh, pretty low for the city to win. It's pretty great for the king to win, very little chance of survival. But there's this poor guy, an insignificant man who's got great wisdom and out foxes the king. So wisdom is championed here as greater than a king's army. And it is. Because by wisdom, God's wisdom, you can do wonderful things. But by man's wisdom, you're going to fall. So we have a problem here, though. He said heroes are quickly forgotten. He said it's a selfish world that forgets the great deeds that people do. And he is pondering that. Then he looks at verses 16 and 17, and he says, and 18, there's a condemnation in it. In spite of the work of wisdom, there is a problem. Wisdom is superior to many things, and Solomon lists three things which mankind uh, respect. He said strength. People respect strength, not brawn. Oh, you heard? I got brawn and beauty and brains. Well, uh, wisdom is better than strength. Might is not always right. Might doesn't always win. Wisdom cannot always be. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Strength cannot always be given, and wisdom can overpower strength if it's the right kind of wisdom. Then we see wisdom is better than the words of the wise men isn't that crazy he said wisdom is better than strength nevertheless the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard the words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of them that are among fools now i'm going to tell you something that is a powerful statement you know why because he's saying here that they're better uh, among fools a wise man's words uttered calmly, deliberately, without pompous declamation or any kind of uh, aid of va- or more value than a voice that arcs over and slams its fist down with anger and loudness and you know all this, I'm the king and I've got this and this is the army and we're coming. There's something about a calmness of wisdom. When... The prophet Elijah ran after all that great victory. I mean, God's been with him. Why wouldn't he think God would be with him with Jezebel? Well, he was tired. Number one, he had been up there. He'd been watching him all day. He had made fun of the the prophets of Baal, and then God came down and answered. And then they, he ran down the mountain, and a, you know, Ahab came down the chariot. And then all of a sudden, after all of that activity, he comes to and hears that Jezebel is going to make his life the same as those. In a space of time before the Sun goes down and he takes off and goes even further and he's upset and he's down and boy there's all of this going on and of course you know the angel takes care of him has him sleep gives him food he he needs to get strengthened but then God shows up and there's a fire and there's the mountain quaking the earthquake and the whirlwind but God wasn't in the boisterous things it was when the still small voice came that's when it came the Bible is very very clear be still and know that I am God that is on that great Psalm Psalm 46 a Psalm that you ought to read over and over and over and over again it starts off God is our refuge and strength a very present right now a very present help in trouble that's how it starts at the very end, the 10th verse, there are 11 verses, be still and know that I am God. Be still. I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. I'll be exalted among the heathen. He says, stop striving. Stop being loud. Stop being thinking about the things that are under the sun. Stop. Quit. Hang in there. Be still. It is a command. Be still and know that I am God. You need to know something. You take knowledge. You perceive. You absolutely discern and learn and confess and rely on and keep up with the fact that God is God I am God I am the I am a very present help in trouble I'm the right now Solomon needed to get his wisdom above the Sun and remind them he's saying some good stuff here the words of the wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him yep in quietness there's something to be said about that calm spirit in the Beatitudes, it talks about blessed are the persecuted. He talks about those who are you who revile you and persecute and say all manner of evil against you, falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice, be calmly happy, and exceeding glad. Jump up off your feet for joy. When someone looks at you and they're persecuting you and reviling you, that means defamation of character and giving all kinds of evil disparagement when that happens look at them with a smile and a calm spirit that radiates the Holy Spirit the love of Jesus Christ that they see Christ in you and as you turn around and walk away leap up off your feet that you were able to be persecuted like they did in the book of Acts when they counted it joy that they could be persecuted for the Lord Jesus sake and walk away because the Bible says Blessed are they when men shall persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you, falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. You can jump off your feet for joy that you got to be persecuted, because great is your reward in heaven. Because you're in good company. Because the rest of that verse says, "For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you." You're in good company. Company that's in heaven. Rejoice. They were persecuted. You'll be persecuted rejoice yes sir the words of the wise man are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools wisdom is better than weapons of war think about that wisdom is better than weapons of war who would have thought about that weapons of war were usually in that day spears swords and slinging a stone uh, no war, weapon of war is greater than wisdom. Think about it. All the battles that have been won, if you think about it, all the battles that have been won, there was something behind it that was a strategy. The wars, the weapons, the front lines and all that, they were placed strategically based on somebody's mastermind plan. And we've seen things throughout history where people said, how'd they win that war? And they had a strategy that if this ever happens, we're prepared, we're ready. And that strategy kicked in. There is a uh, wisdom is better than weapons of war. When you think, listen, the weapons won't work if there's not wisdom behind where you go, where you stand and what you do. But one sinner destroyeth much good. Boy, is that not true. It just takes one bad apple to make an entire barrel of apples turn rotten. One sinner can destroy much. Think about one man in history, Hitler. Certainly did a lot of damage. We could go on and on and on. This will continue on as we go into chapter number 10. What a horrible way to look at life, to be so futile, to go through so much because you got your thinking in the wrong place. It's under the sun. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to realize we must stay above with you, connected and not under the sun. Encourage us to stay true to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
0: Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word It thrills me through and through I believe every
1: word You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths the radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to TTT Broadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.